Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to All Starts, aren't we? A podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Adam Elliott, the junior Furpo first start of the season of the podcast. Will I fare better in the championship? The early signs aren't great. And I'm joined today by Joel Perot, the number 10 pushing forward to occupy defenders of the podcast, creating space for a penetrative run from deep. It's Martin Riley. How are you doing, Martin? I'm doing good, thank you. I've, I'm just drinking a nice glass of vanilla milkshake. Uh, it's one of my favourite things. It sounds very bland, but I just love good vanilla milkshake, and this one is particularly good. From this, I forget what the company's called, something to do with cow. Um, but yeah, they make really good vanilla milkshake, and I've had a nice pork chilli con carne for tea, which was really, really good. So yeah, I'm doing very, very good. How about you? Interesting, interesting. This is not something we've discussed before the podcast, but vanilla milkshakes is also my favourite type of milkshake too. I know it's basic, Ooh. but it's my absolute number one. The other one I do quite like sometimes is like a, an Oreo milkshake or something like that, but vanilla is usually number one. And if I go to McDonald's, I really like theirs. It's pretty strong. <laughs> you can clearly see they put like a good scoop of vanilla ice cream in there and it tastes oh, amazing. Yeah. Um I'm well, yeah, I had a uh, spicy veggie bean burger tonight for my tea with some sweet potato chips and all that and, and a salad. Not the most interesting thing in the world, but it'll do. Um, yeah, I've had a, I've had a decent day. I mean, Man United won today against Everton whilst the day we were recording, but that goal from Garnacho was absolutely unbelievable, oh. wasn't it? And I can't help but I've watched it back about 20 times. It's one of the best Premier League goals I've ever seen. So fair play. Yeah. Um, but in general, yeah, not bad, not bad at all, um, even though Leeds dropped some points on Friday, which is what we're here to discuss. I don't believe there is too much news to discuss since the uh, game. Um, I've said this for about seven podcasts now, but it seems like Jed Spence is nearly ready. Let's hope that <laughs> he somehow, somehow comes off the bench on Wednesday or something like that against Swansea. Um, and yeah, then Georgina Ruter, big surprise. He made the game to both of our delights, which was good uh he did seem to like be rubbing his hip a little bit here and there i did notice but i don't know how bad that was and he did get subbed off obviously but we're hoping that's just a precaution and he's gonna be fine and gorgeous for wednesday's game against swansea right hopefully i hope so i'll try otherwise (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, I'm sure you would. I probably would too. Um, especially considering Bamford's performance in this game, which wasn't wasn't the best, but whatever. Anyway, yeah, so here we are to discuss the game against Rotherham on Friday night where we drew one all. Um, I'll talk a bit about the game summary first and then we'll get on into some questions. As always, and it is me and Martin, as always, and I promise everyone listening that's a regular, we will have a difference of <laughs> podders very, very soon, I promise. <laughs> this week we should see a little bit of change in the lineup. Um, but yes, Leeds approached the game in their usual 4-2-3-1 shape, with Rotherham opting for a 4-4-1-1 formation. Leeds started the game well, dominating the possession and leading to Ruter playing Somerville through on goal, and Somerville finishing extremely well to make the score 1-0 in only the sixth minute. Leeds continued to dominate the ball and possession, with Rotherham mainly threatening in transition, and Leeds had majority of the good chances for the rest of the first half, however didn't extend their lead and on the cusp of half-time due to a combination of deflected passes and not clearing their lines well. It left a Dauphin with an opportunity to fire a low shot past Melier, making the score one all going into the second half. Leeds continued their dominance in the second half in terms of the possession of the ball, but the closest they came to scoring was a disallowed goal late in the game from Jade Nancy, and the game ended one all. As I said, we'll get into the interrogation now. I'll ask Martin a set of questions uh, about the game and about some individuals, and yep, we'll get straight in. Um, in the preview, we were both quite confident that if we scored early, we'd comfortably win this one. That obviously didn't happen. Um why do you feel we weren't able to make the early goal pay off more for us? Well, first of all, it's just a bit of out of our face. We both were, were quite cocksure about that, that if we were to score early, then that would put the game to bed. But it didn't end up turning out that way. Um, I do think that we had plenty, plenty of opportunities and scoring the early goal did make them come out more and they were starting to show more pressing than like what I thought they might do if, if they were chasing the game. So I think we was unlucky to not score more because we had a number of good opportunities, especially in the first half, to score. You had the opportunity from Somerville around half half an hour in, um, where he just didn't quite get the shot over Hansen, who came out very well to save that one. Um, so that, that was a great opportunity. And then we had the one from Dan James, where he did what he always does when it's on a tight angle and just tries to shoot and wide, and then a similar scenario with Glenn, Glenn Camera, who also shot from a tight angle. So yeah, we had a few opportunities in which we should have extended this lead and stopped them from scoring. And their goal was just totally against a run of play, and it's a really unfortunate set of circumstances. But we'll go into that goal a bit more later on. Um, felt we was just a bit unlucky to not extend the lead at times. Um, the combination of poor choice making in certain areas and finishing not being up up to scratch, but other than that, we we did we did quite well in it in, in the first half. It felt and created a few good chances, and wasn't all all of it wasn't from transitional moments as well. Actually, the first goal was a lovely piece of play that was uh, came from a good sustained spell of, of possession, and we worked it very well. Georgie dropping deep and receiving from camera immediately passing forward to Somerville, who made a lovely run forward. That touch as well was glorious to to set himself up nicely to finish. But yeah, I'm not sure what your take on this one is. No, I want to do some positive stuff like you've just done there first and, and kind of echo a lot of what you've just said. Um, that ball around the corner from Ruter is absolutely phenomenal. The control is, like you said, brilliant from Somerville. Even in the mischance that he had, I thought that he took it in his stride so well under a lot of pressure. 
and it was just a bit unlucky. Johansson made himself big, and it was just a bit unlucky. I'm I'm more disappointed with James's finish because even though that is a bit of a classic him at times in his Leeds career, in his career in general, really high and wide and handsome, not so handsome maybe, um, and <laughs> putting it into the the crowd. Um, he has also this season like a couple of times recently, especially like the Huddersfield goal where he just smacks it across goal into the far corner. I don't know why he's not done that. Like it, it's on for him and he should do it. And then the Kamara one's really annoying for me because Somerville does so well, but I do feel like he should play the pass a little bit earlier and play it to Perot instead. And, and I think this is kind of a theme now at the moment with Perot. Like he's in good positions a lot, not always receiving the ball. Um, and he ignored him and went with Kamara. Even then, like even if I didn't necessarily agree that was the best choice, Kamara probably should do better there and probably should score. Um, so yeah, that is a little bit disappointing not to have taken at least one of those chances. Um, I do think the Somerville one that got saved was probably just unlucky. The other two were just poor finishing. Yeah, the yeah the Somerville chance was good goalkeeping as well. I think yeah, a hundred percent. He could have put it through his legs, but like I wouldn't have. I, I'm not going to say he definitely should have done that because like it was he did a lot of things right. Let's put it that way. Whereas the other two, I think they had enough time to think about what they were going to do and they they executed the shot poorly in all honesty um obviously i think there are a few issues that come sort of after that and like the first half wasn't completely perfect i think at times there was a bit of a lack of intensity in some players with the ball um i think we'll go on to talk about cooper later i think he was a little bit too hesitant in this game and then there are a few others i think there were some leggy tired legs um perhaps with some of the players that we had out there, a lot of them have played recently in internationals as well. And then, yeah, they they did engage us quite high, didn't they, after 1-0, um, more than I probably expected them to. Um, and, yeah, we probably could have been a touch more direct and penetrative when that happened, I think. I think we, we played fairly well in the first half and did enough to, to be more goals up, for sure. But in the second half, I think... Yeah, when they when they started engaging a bit more, I think we could have done a bit more in possession. But again, we'll come on to talk to that, about that in a little bit. Um, we had a question from George Wade on our Patreon, and he asked, I'd be keen to know what similarities there are between this game and others where we have dropped points, where we have had control and lost the control during the game. Um, would you agree with that, Martin, first of all? Right, you mean that we lost control? Yeah, do you feel like we lost control of the game? Yeah. I, I don't think we did. Really, we were the majority of the game in control of of possession, especially and creating chances for the most part. There was the one spell after half time till about the I think maybe the first ten fifteen minutes of the second half where we weren't really that much in control. But I think we did well to get that get that control back, and then from then on we pretty much dominated the game. And Rotherham didn't have a sniff. Um, I think they created maybe one chance, which I think was blocked in the second half. So they they didn't really create anything. And I think we did create a lot more than what then, certainly enough to to try to score. And we were unlucky not to with the disallowed goal, just that was a very tight offside. So no, I, I don't agree with the premise that we lost control during the game. But there were certainly similarities between this and other games. And the m- main key there would be finishing. And there has been other games where we have been in position to extend leads or to bury the game earlier than what they should. I'm thinking most recently against Plymouth. Um, we should really have buried that game a lot sooner than what we did and led to a very nervy, nervy finish. So there's definitely similarities between other games this season. And that is just one other thing. We've got finish, finishers who aren't the most consistent in the world. Um, so other than Perot, who is the more cynical of our finishers, even he wasn't on his best form in this game. And he was, he was making the wrong choices in certain moments and snatching at shots. So I think there's a 
certainly have some similarities, but I don't agree that we lost control. No, yeah, the main the main difference really, right, is that it, they put this that up on Sky. Um, we've taken the lead in seven games this season, won them all. So this is the first time that's not happened. But like you say, like that's a combination of like some poor finishing. I think people are a little bit over exaggerating, like the quality of the performance. It wasn't one of our absolute best of the season by any means, but. We weren't either as bad either. Like we had seventy four percent of the ball, we created eighteen chances. Uh, we had eighteen shots. Sorry, uh, I don't have the xG to hand. I don't know if you do. One point six, I think it is. One point six, probably enough in most games to score two goals. And if Kamara or James in particular take one of those chances before half time, we probably win the game two or three nil, and it's not really a huge issue. It's just one of those. It's a little bit of an off day. Um, the thing that maybe frustrates me a little bit is that. We were a little bit too passive at times. I think we retained the ball well enough to take the sting out of the game. Like we said, 74% of the ball is, is a lot of it. Um, but I don't think we, even though we had 18 shots and I've just said that, I think we could have created even more. Let's put it that way. 1.6 XG 18 shots is decent, but I think we could have done even more with it. I think there were a few times when we decided to uh, just kind of knock the ball around the back, which is a, a way to play like when you're leading, but I don't know, necessarily think you need to start doing that at 1-0 against Rotherham and then have to sort of up the ante a little bit when it goes to one all. Um that's my only small issue, but it's not it's not a major one. Like we have still created decent chances like we've mentioned. So it's not like we weren't doing enough um at one nil in particular to to get something more from the game. Anyway, I digress slightly. Um yeah, let's talk about their their goal now because obviously we've we've talked about Somerville and given him his flowers for his, but what went wrong with ours, would you say? Well, it was first of all off that it came from Camera playing the ball to to cry and I just didn't really make the right choice with the ball. I think he was trying to turn um to burst forward. But the right option in that moment was just to play the ball back safely to the defence because he didn't have a lot of time on the ball. I know he is very capable of doing those sort of turns, but when it's just before half-time and you don't want to concede at that point, it's probably the best just to play the safer, safer route there and go back and keep things ticking over rather than going for the, the low-percentage, high-risk manoeuvre, which is what he went for, and it didn't pay off. But then from then on, it wasn't just his fault. There were a number of little small errors. I think it's more a lot of things than anything, really. Um Cooper was was beaten quite easily, and the, um, who was it? Was it Onidimba who got forward of the ball? Numbe was it? But yeah, so he got forward quite easily and was able to play the ball back. And Ross was just deflected out, wasn't picked up. Ball was played forward, it deflected, it wasn't picked up again. There was another touch and attempt at a tackle, but it wasn't picked up again. So it's just a number of different things. So it's hard to assign too much blame for all the defence because a few of them made little, little errors. But I think it definitely does come from the error from Somerville first, and that's what it all depended from there. But still, a very poor goal to give away, especially at that point in the game. Yeah, but the only thing I would disagree slightly with there is that yes, yeah, Somerville giving it away is one phase, but there's so many different phases there where something could be done to you know sort out the issue. So, like you say, there's probably a, a catalogue of things and a, quite a few players to blame. Cooper a bit too slow to the ball. That's kind of not his fault because he's just not quick anymore. Um, and then Furpo's not tight to Rathbone. He, he's sort of jogging back a little bit. He's kind of ball watching a bit, realises and then gets back in and it's a bit too late. Um, and then, like you say, just a, a number of sort of unlucky bounces and ricochets a little, uh, around the, the box after that. And 
maybe Gray or Roden should just clear the ball, but they don't, and it just bounces around and eventually finds him. Just one of those stupid championship sloppy goals, really. Yeah, that's all it was. It's championship all over. But yeah, um, um, yeah, talking about Rotherham a little bit more, we debated whether they would approach this game uh, sort of a low block or by pressing more aggressively. How did you see that they approached this game? Well, I felt that they were pressing quite high moments. It wasn't a full, like, sustained high press, but it was quite an aggressive mid-block with some moments of high pressing built into it. And we did largely deal with that well. I think I felt we managed to play the ball around it most times, but there were some times, especially in the opening of the second half, where they did cause us problems. But we did eventually get hold of, get hold of it. Obviously, the worst one came when um, the ball was turned over and Empadou tried to move it back to Melier and missed it up. And then Coops was there to save the day. So, yeah, they did they cause a problem. They could easily have forced a goal from that. And we were looking at that. That didn't happen. And, game totally would have been a big morale hit so I'm quite glad that Hoops was there to make the save there on the line so well I think once that little nerves on the start of the first half were over with we settled into the game more and then they also sat back a lot more and deeper and deeper as the game went on and the points that they were sustaining was sort of faded away and went more into a low block so they put a different approach in this game in my, in my opinion <laughs> Yep, yep. I had the same thing, aggressive mid-block written down. Um, it certainly was like that for the majority of the game, I would say, in, in its moments. We talked a lot about their sort of workman-like pressy midfielders, like Rathbone, etc. Like, like Rathbone in particular, I thought, had a pretty like decent game off off the ball and out of possession for them and made it quite difficult for us to, to play out at times. I think Kamara and Ampadu didn't look as comfortable as they usually would um, in sort of some areas. I think Kamara was actually our best player for the first half an hour. I think he, he played out of pressure quite well, but then in the second half, it was a little bit more difficult for some of our midfielders and he actually got hooked and we probably weren't quite as good in there when he did. Um, so yeah, that that was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, but then, yeah, like you say, they, they did drop deeper and deeper as the game went on, probably happier for a point. And I was a bit surprised at how they approached it because I thought that they were going to probably sit in a lower block for more of the game, especially when I saw the lineup. It looked like they had essentially like, I think they had five or six defenders playing and two defensive midfielders. Okay, one of the defenders was in midfield, I believe, but it was a lot of defensive-minded players and they yeah, they were a lot more aggressive than I thought they would be, let's put it that way. Um, so yeah, that that was a little bit of a surprise, I would say, but um, we should have been able to deal with it better, and especially later on, um, play around it and, and sort of get ourselves out. We nearly did with the offside goal, um, but we did see a return of the sort of very attack-minded 3-4-3 sort of formation, which is kind of vibes um, in the game when the subs were made later on. Uh, what do you make of the formation change? We saw it against Norwich, for example, um, and do you think it gave us a bit more attacking impetus? I think it did, and it's kind of hard for it not to with that amount of attackers on the pitch and that many vibesy players on there at, at one point. I mean, if you look at the XG from the second half, we created 0.03 XG before those changes. That's all. <laughs> we had we had one shot from Somerville, which was blocked in the 58th minute. We didn't have anything else. And then when the, those rafter changes came on, Monster had a chance in the 73rd minute, 0.18 XG. Pharrell had a chance, not not free, and it goes on. We had quite a lot of extra, uh, little, little shots back then, so we definitely did see more impetus going forward for those changes and it's kind of hard to not do that like I said because at that point Rotherham had receded quite deep and that's why those changes were needed at that point I think and 
it was a shame that we couldn't have done more from it. And we're very unlucky with the offside goal, like you mentioned there, because that was very close. Um, it was the right call, I will say. And I've used it a few times. Bamford was definitely offside, unfortunately. And it's a shame that he even got a, got a foot to it because the ball could have end up, ended up going to... Um, the, who was it was called? It was um, Anthony. Anthony, it? it was Anthony. Anthony. Okay. I think the ball could well have ended up going to Anthony either way if he hadn't have touched it, but he wasn't, you know, that, so... Yeah, it's just unfortunate that that didn't come out. I was very happy when that went in for for the whole of about five seconds <laughs> until I realised. No, and I, I yeah, I did as well. <laughs> My dog went a bit mental <laughs> when I did. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, with the Bamford thing, I just wanted to quickly say, like, I don't want to sit here and defend Bamford loads and loads anymore at the moment, really, because I don't think he did much when he came on. But I can't blame him at all for trying to play the ball when he's offside. Like he, he's not to know he's offside. He strayed into a position where he thought the ball might have ended up, and it just so happens he was offside when that happened. It's just one of them things. If he doesn't try to play the ball there and he's onside, you're probably quite annoyed at him for just sort of letting it go. So I don't understand really why people have kind of gone after him. Um, doesn't really make much sense to me. And and yeah, obviously we did up the ante a little bit when those subs were made. Like you say, naturally it's going to happen with the amount of players that we had on that were essentially just attackers. Um, I thought Nante looked quite lively. I'm not just saying this because it backs up my theory that he should be playing more. <laughs> um, I thought he did. He did genuinely make a bit of an impact. I liked the shot that he had from James's past. Um, could have could have chosen a different type of shot, but I didn't mind the one he went for at all. Um, great Vader, pass, by the way. Great pass from James out almost. Give yeah, it was. Time. It was probably the only good thing he did in the game. He was really, really quiet. I, I, he went completely missing in this game, apart from that shot and that pass, um, has to be said. Um, but yeah, it was a good pass. Um, Pervader was an interesting one because he, he kind of, he looks quite good when he drops a shoulder, but then nothing really happens after that kind of flatters to deceive doesn't he because yeah he did that quite a bit he, he seemed to kind of beat his man and then oh it was a pass backwards or uh, oh he didn't really do like put a ball in the box that was good or, or anything like that so that was a bit frustrating um and yeah the only thing i would say about this is it gives Ampadu so much work to to do and so much ground to cover and i thought he had one of his his poorer games but when he had so much like space that he basically had to occupy himself it is a little bit nerve-wracking when they might get a transitional moment. It's unfortunate for us that they didn't really. Um, but that's the only thing I don't like about that. I think if we we do it at some point this season, it's going to be our undoing at some point, and we're going to end up like conceding one or two late in the game from it because we've just thrown too many for players forward, probably. But we'll see. Anyway, I shall move on. Um, did the changes arrive for you at the right time? Just talking about them a little bit more, um, or should we have changed things earlier? Now I'll quickly go first and say. I'm a bit sick of speaking about this because I think that Farker has had a bit of an issue all season about changing things sooner. However, I kind of understand it a little bit in that you had quite a few key players like Ruter out there and you wanted to maybe give them a little bit longer to see what would happen. It was still a level game state rather than a game state where we were behind. So it's not as maybe problematic. Um, the only thing I would say is that I don't think we started that second half very well. So maybe you could argue that they needed making because of that. But I don't know. It's a it's a difficult one. In most games, I'm, I've been more frustrated with him. In this one, I wasn't necessarily too annoyed. I thought it it made the right amount of difference at kind of a right amount at the right time. I would say. I don't know about you. I think he could have maybe done it a little bit sooner. Um, maybe rather than seventieth minute, maybe sixty fifth. The extra five minutes, because um, by that point, there's not really much that happens in the game for us. We've not created too much. Rotherham hasn't created too much. So I think it was time to. 
throw some, some, some extra people on there, even if it just makes two of those subs in, in the 60th minute, and then another two in the 70th, and then another two in, well, however many with five is it, so then another one in the 80th minute, just to, to spread things out a bit, and also to give more game time to the players who need it, because you've got Ronto, who's barely featuring and looked quite lively when he came on, so it would have been good to give him more time than what he had. And it was a very attack-minded change because it brought off midfielder and who else came came off? Was it Furpo who came off? Camera and Furpo. Uh, Ruta, Furpo and Kamara, yeah. wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Maybe? Yeah. Something like that. That sounds right. I can check. Current talking. It's cool. And so, yeah, so the end is... Definitely make a difference for me, and if they would have come a little bit sooner, then that maybe would have given us that little bit extra time to make something happen. But who knows? It may not have made any difference at all, and it also is quite an attack-minded change to do too early in the game. So maybe that's the reason why he didn't want to risk just then and wanted to leave it a little bit longer just to not risk it, because it is a quite a high-risk strategy. Like you mentioned, one day is going to do us over having that many attackers on the pitch. But technically, we have got enough numbers back to defend in the rest defence because like three plus Ampadu, that's pretty much a rest defence of four, which is reasonable. Yeah. yeah. So I think so. there is technically enough defenders on the pitch to cope with it, but it is also pretty risky with the wide areas and asking Nonto and James to be pretty much hybrid wingbacks who get very, very high. <laughs> So yeah, it was an, certainly an interesting change and one which did pay off for us in the past. So I think it did pay off against Norwich, didn't it? So who knows? It could, it could have paid off if we'd done it a little bit sooner in this game. Yeah, fair enough. We don't always have to agree. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There was a lot of talk about uh, one of the other changes, obviously, was Pascal Strout later on in the game. He came on for Liam Cooper. There was quite a bit of talk in our group chat during the game about that. Um, after the rewatch, did you feel the same about Cooper's performance, or were you uh, fairly happy in the end when you had a little look back? Well, I was pretty, like, like I mentioned in there, that the, I was agreeing with the rest of the group chat that Cooper didn't have that great of a game. And my opinion did change a little bit after the rewatch. Um, it wasn't in wasn't a major change of direction. I, I still do think that we would be better off having Strauch in in the game, but I do think that Cooper did do a fair amount of good in this game. Not to mention the goal line clearance, which was massive at that time. If that would have gone in, then I, I don't think we would have equalised, and that would have been lost points. So that there's that on there, and I don't think the main drive that people had with him was in, it was in possession rather than out of it, and I think it, it didn't. Recently, well, some moments there were moments where he could, he could have made a, played a 
ball a bit faster than what he did or into a different area than what he did. But he was our most progressive player on the pitch. Actually. He had 10 progressive passes, which was more than anyone else, which is pretty good. It's someone who doesn't play too often. And although I would prefer Straub in there, I don't feel he did that badly as some were making out. Okay. Well, I slightly disagree. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> because even if he had 10 progressive passes, my argument would be that Strout would have had more. There was enough moments for me where he was too hesitant and he looked at a player, kind of thought about it, and then would decide, no, put his studs on the ball, roll it across him and play it across to Roden. And he did that on a number of occasions. Sometimes it didn't matter too much. It was fine. But other times, like it just felt like that pass was on and he needed to play it at that moment. And then if he didn't, Rotherham would, you know, Rotherham player would step one or two paces to the right or left, and then the pass wasn't maybe on as as easily. Um, and if he hadn't been so hesitant, yeah, he could have made a few of those. They could have turned out and then be running towards Rotherham's defence, who would be backpedalling at that point. And he did. He chose not to on too many occasions for me. A uh, bit too passive, bit too hesitant. Roden was also kind of off it a little bit in that sense as well. There was a couple of passes he played that were really nice, but. Outside of that, I don't remember him doing enough himself either. So my argument really is that Pascal is the kind of glue in that defence now. He's the king of ball progression and smart selection of passes. And I, I think it's a, a real shame not having him. I, like I say, I think that if Cooper had 10, how many would Pascal have had? Because I think he just punches those passes when he sees them and, and just decides, you know what, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna try that even if it's a little bit risky. And he usually plays them and they they pay off um it's not like he makes too many errors and hasn't this season in turning the ball over like that so i'm a bit disappointed personally and i I do think that cooper was a really good ball playing center back under bielsa um and that's perhaps suffered like with quite a few players in our team um from having managers since then of just not caring about the build-up and and how we utilize the ball in the defensive phase uh kind of to me looked like he was a little bit more reluctant than usual in, as to how to do that. Uh, maybe it'll just take a bit of practice, but we don't really want to see him in the team at this point either. I, I will give him his flowers and say I completely echo what you said about him defensively. I think he was actually pretty good. Um, did a lot of decent things. I don't have his sort of tackle interception numbers to hand, but he was fine in, in most regards in his jewels and everything like that. And that block was spectacular, to be honest. So absolutely fine with him in that regard. But on the ball, I just wanted someone who was going to essentially just play those passes when they were on straight away rather rather than thinking about it and second guessing himself a little bit which is kind of how I felt um, another player that we that we <laughs> another player that we saw um come back in to get their first start of the season was Junior Ferpo but how do you feel that that he did in the end I kind of touched on him at the start in the intro but how did you feel he went I think he did okay um he didn't he wasn't bad he wasn't good he was just kind of just there um he, he tried a few things sometimes it didn't totally work but there were good positive things which he, he was trying a few nice balls which he tried to play down the line for cry or for james when it was that when he was over there but yeah there was not really too much spectacular about his game i think probably um, byron would have done a better job of it because he's played more games and i think it's just a point of him being just that little bit rusty with playing competitive football and it will it will just take a bit of time to for him to get back into his groove he maybe won't get that chance because Byram, I think, is probably fit for the next game. Um, was he on the bench, Byram? I'm not sure. He was. He just wasn't used yet. Yeah. So, so Byram was on the bench. So I would expect Byram to probably play against Swansea. Um, so it's possible that if they could play the next game against Borough, maybe. But I, don't, I wasn't too bad on on Serpo. I'd be fine with him playing again. But I would I would prefer Byram in all honesty. 
Yep, you've you've got a similar answer to me. Um, kind of a lot of the same points, so I won't add too much. But yeah, the only thing is that a couple of times where I felt like he could have opened himself up to a pass a little bit more than he did, but that wasn't the end of the world. And like you say, maybe some rustiness, and he just needs to build himself back up again and some sharpness, and he'll probably play better in you know, three, four, five games, even if he's just coming off the bench. I think that it's actually quite important to be careful with Byram now. We've been relying on him a lot, and I wouldn't mind him coming back in for games, but he might be a player that we could see subbed off a lot more than he has been this season. Not because I necessarily think he's incapable of playing full 90s, but just to protect him a little bit. So maybe we do give Furpo 20, 30 minutes just to build himself back up a little bit more um, in the games that come. I wouldn't mind seeing that. And yeah, he was, he was kind of just all right. Um, like I said earlier, kind of went a bit ball watching for for their goal a little bit. He could have been closer to Rathbone than he was, but it's not the end of the world. There were other things that went wrong there. So, yeah, it was fine, but I prefer Byram. That's essentially what I've got written down as well. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he's just building himself back up. Um, But there were a few other performances that were maybe sort of below the level that we've come to expect, especially one I'm a little bit disappointed with. I think Ampadu probably had his worst game in a lead shirt so far. It doesn't mean to say he was absolutely horrific because he wasn't. He was just a lot more average than what we've seen him be capable of in a lot of games. Um, but also Roden, James didn't perform as well as in some of the recent games. And quite a few people felt like that. I certainly do. I'll come on to that in a minute. But do you agree with that, Martin? And what would you put it down to? Yeah, I'd agree. Um, all three of them didn't have great games. And I, I don't think you can look further than the international break, to be honest. Um, I think both Roden and Ampadu played every minute for Wales, I believe. Um, I think J- I think James came off the bench a couple of times, so you can't really put that blame on with James as much because he hasn't played as much. But definitely for Roden and Ampadu, I would say that Ampadu definitely had his worst game in the league set. Like you said, it wasn't awful. He, he did a lot, a lot of good things with a few nice in, interceptions that he made, especially in and around the box, covering for other players when the sort of got done. The one moment I think where Thurpo got nutmegged and he just swept in behind and, and got to the ball before it was picked up by, by one of the other players. So yeah, I felt he will have better games and it, that's fine. He just, he's played a lot of football this season, a lot, a lot. He's not had the break because every international break is away with Wales. Same with Roden and they're both key players for Wales, so they will play a lot of football for them. So it's natural that this is going to tie them, even though ballers will always want to play every minute they have possible. And But it's not always the best thing to do that, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. A break is good. I, th- I think Ampadu has now played every single game and every single minute for club and country this season. I think he might have been subbed off for Wales and I'm, I'm missing it. I could check that, but... I- you can check it if you want. I, I don't really, I don't really care enough, but I think he has, um, or at least very close to, has for us certainly, and it's kind of maybe showing a little bit now, which is a little bit of a concern when you've got what is every season the busiest month of the season coming up in December. It always is, um, but yeah, they they play the majority of minutes like you said for Wales, and and James didn't, but he just kind of had one of his Dan James games that he has occasionally, and he went he went missing and wasn't really involved at all. I don't really know why, hundred percent. We just didn't get the ball to him very often. Um, apart from that nice pass and the shot, I can't really remember another meaningful action that he had. Um, <laughs> so he was just very quiet. But I wouldn't say he looked tired or lethargic. I would say more so with Ampadu and Roden, maybe a little bit sapped of energy than than usual. And the decision-making, therefore, wasn't quite as strong as usual. Just one of them. Um, it would be nice, as I've mentioned a few times, especially with Ampadu, for him to get... A small rest at some at some stage, come off the bench, uh, 
sorry, go onto the bench for 20, 30 minutes at the end of a game. He's he's not even had that luxury very often because he's such a key player for us. And, and like you say, he's such a key player for Wales as well. Um, I wouldn't say the same for Joe Roden. I wouldn't change centre-backs unless you're kind of forced into it with uh, an injury like we had in this game with Cooper potentially having a, a slight issue. But we're not quite sure about what it is yet. Um, I would still want to see Roden and Strap play the majority of minutes. And Joe Roden's playing against Swansea in his next game, so you, you can imagine he's going to be very up for that against his former oh, team. Yeah, um, and yeah, a question that kind of relates to Swansea because another player is going to be playing against them and returning to South Wales on Wednesday is Joel Pirro. And we had a question from our editor, Paul, the lovely Paul, um, who asked, what are Pirro's chance conversion statistics compared to when he was at Swansea? Now I have some of the ones from this season to hand, which is he has an XG so far from, I looked on Sober Score for this, I don't know where you might have looked, but I looked there for this. Um, he has an XG of 6.95 with six goals. Um, he's missed five big chances, has a shot accuracy so far of about 59%, which is actually quite good if you look at other players towards the top end of the championship. Um, I think Clark is around 80, just pointing that out. <clears throat> and the conversion rate of only 18%, though, which is one of the lower in the championship. Um, so perhaps maybe not finishing, maybe quite as expected um i think for swansea his average over his xg compared to his goals over the two seasons he slightly overperformed it in the end didn't he um but i don't know if you have the uh stats to hand for swansea i do but it's it's from a different provider so we can't really compare them to the ones which you've got so i'll just read out all all of them from okay. <laughs> his. <laughs> that's fine uh so in his first season at swansea he put out uh, 12.1 XG and he scored 22 goals from that. So quite a big performance in his first season. Um, and in the season following on from that, he had 18.5 XG and scored 19 goals. So a, a slight performance there again. And then so far this season, he's on 5.9 XG and has scored six goals. So yeah, he's he's pretty much doing what similar to what he's doing at Swansea, but albeit in the first season he was massively overperforming. But I think he scored a lot of goals from distance in that first season. And that bear, that bears out with the distance he was shooting from. So in his first season at Swansea he was shooting from an average distance of seventeen point eight meters. And then in the second season, seventeen meters. Then in the third season, sixteen point eight. And then in this season, sixteen point three. So every single season, his distance has gone down. And I say third season with Swansea, I meant the first part of this season with Swansea. So <laughs> just to bear that in mind. So yeah, so it's each time it's gone slightly down as the meters from goal. So he's taking shots from more high-value areas rather than shooting from distance as often, which is positive trend because it's always better to shoot from close range. And I think he's currently matching his XG. So at the moment, I don't have any concerns about his xg conversion and i think it, it will bear out and i think he'll mo- most likely end up with around a 20 goal season i'd say maybe cl- close to that between some type of between 17 and early 20s something around that so i think he will still have times where he looks underwhelming but that's the same with championship strikers they're not going to score every single game and not unless you are mitrovic from whatever season it was at fulham where he scored 40 odd goals which was just ridiculous and very, very rarely happens. Let's face it, Mitrovic should not have been in championship. He's much higher than that level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm not con- concerned at the moment. Yeah, th- I think people's main gripe with Perot is that that is the main thing he's there to offer, is, um, you know, 
converting chances and finishing and whatnot. And there's not a huge amount of upside in other areas of his game. There's there's some he's taking up good positions and not always being found, for example. So he's he's finding himself in nice areas quite a lot. And a lot in this game as well, we saw that he peeled off his man and he seems to be kind of invisible to both the opposition and our, our players because no, none of them seem to find him even when he's in a good space to to receive the ball. Um, but yeah, I'm not too concerned. I I I don't know what. I expect his level of performance to be like in every game. I still haven't fully worked that out. I think at the moment I'm thinking not always that great, but he still might come up with a goal. And I get it. Like people are saying, well, he's not really doing that at the moment. Like, yes, he scored against Plymouth fairly recently and that's fine. But around that game for, for about, I think he's got one goal in five now or something like that for us. Yeah. So he's not always taking the chances when they're coming. Um, which is why I think people are a bit concerned, but I'm not because, like you said, I think long term he's probably going to get you know at least 16 or 17 for us, which is a good chunk of goals, maybe as high as sort of 22, 23, 24 if he has a a good season and stays fit and starts to to really start putting them away. But everything you've just said there makes me feel more confident if he's getting closer to the goal to score and we can start finding him even more. I think he'll just you know he'll go on a bit of a run at some point probably, um, and I'm not too concerned. Um, but in terms of concerns, just more broadly, we had obviously quite a lot of, of questions about this. And um, for me, was it just one of those days? Bear in mind, we've dropped silly points to poor sides under Bielsa when we were in the championship in those two seasons when we didn't get promoted and finished third. And then in the season, we did finish first and got promoted. And just about every team that has been either promoted or challenging promotion has done this since the dawn of time where they've dropped points to a, what is ostensibly a poor side they are um absolutely uh, there's no denying it rotherham have the worst underlying numbers in the championship of any team including sheffield wednesday but are, are we concerned martin or is it just one of those games i'm not concerned i think it is one of those games if we look at our form going into this game um in the past 10 games we've won i think seven lost two and drawn one yeah it, i think yeah. that's just off the top of my head so if, so if that's actually right then i'm very happy <laughs> Uh, but it yeah, is, it is. great, great. So yeah, I'm not concerned. I think these are the C sort of games. Like if we had drawn against Leicester and beat Rotherham, would there be any head loss? <laughs> None at all. None at all. It's just just the 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 places where we've got the points have been reversed. We if we would just got one point from Leicester and three from Rotherham, no one would be complaining whatsoever. So I'm not concerned. It's just one of those weird little championship quirks, and especially a Leeds United quirk to beat the <laughs> first team who's first in the league and then. And the team who's second yeah. away from home, both yeah, of them. Exactly. So, yeah, and then to draw against a team who, by all rights, probably should be bottom of the league. Third from bottom, I think. So, yeah, it's just one of those championship things. That's why it's the best league in the world. And it always throws up these random little works, which it's only for Vision Slav at us for. But we'll soon write the ship, I think. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I, I, you could maybe talk about a few individuals um in this game being a bit off it and stuff like that and that doesn't help with the finishing we've talked about maybe a little bit of a lack of intensity we talked about in the some of the performances um some internationals that come back looking a bit leggy probably more than what Rotherham had um maybe I don't really buy into this but there was some questions we had in the discord about complacency I don't think Fark is complacent at all. I think he's that kind of guy. Maybe a few individuals were. I don't know. I can't speak to their character and, and I'm not inside the dressing room, so I don't I don't fully know about every individual and how they went into this game in terms of a mental mindset. But it is a little bit different when you're playing Rotherham and perhaps you don't necessarily show them as much respect. 
again I, i'm speculating but it's maybe a combination of those things and it's just one of those like you said championship quirks bit of an off day teams have it they can get a bit scabby they didn't put up a, a huge amount of xg besides the goal and the chance that we had to clear off the line wasn't much beyond that at all so they haven't really done much they've made us look a bit worse than i thought they would but they weren't necessarily great we were still the better team and and like we say there were quite a few people starting to question farker and stuff again long term and i've been a little bit skeptical of him at the early parts of the season perhaps but more recently i think he's done some more interesting things out of possession than expected and the rest defense is really good and the high man to man press has been really good that drops into a mid block um when we've actually done it properly not the norwich game but in other games um i think the only question mark i really have about farker is still a little bit and it's not even a major thing is do we need more answers when we have sort of settled possession and try to build up the ball? Um, maybe, but it's not a major concern. And like you say, this, the goal in this game was really kind of from that with like a little bit of settled possession into play on the left, then we break through and score. So six wins in eight or seven wins in 10, whatever you want to call it, it's really good. I think we just chalk it off as an off day and we go again. Like I know I sound like Farker and I sound like a coach there, but it's true and I, I don't think we're going to need to be too concerned. Um in the long run if this becomes a pattern sure but it's not yet it's a silly little draw to Rotherham and we had many silly little draws and silly little defeats to teams that we absolutely battered under Bielsa I'm thinking particularly that Swansea game was horrific when Steve Cooper came out after and, and basically said it was their game plan yeah that was just absolutely ridiculous like shut up mate you're what you're your plan was for Bamford to miss multiple chances. That's what you told your players. <laughs> Is that really what you said, mate? No, it wasn't. It still winds me up. We should have won that game three or four nil. Yeah, it still winds me up too because that was one of the probably yeah. one of our best performances of the entire yeah. season in terms of like what we did to them in the ninety, and then we still lost one nil in the in the last minute or whatever. Um, so there are going to be games like that this season. We, this will happen again. We will draw or lose a silly game again. It's already happened a couple of times before. Now it just hasn't happened for a while, which is why I think people are a bit more concerned. The Stoke game was obviously a bit of an issue, but then before that we had like games against Wednesday where we played pretty well, but we didn't take our chances at the early stages of the season and a couple of other games early on maybe as well. So that's why people are losing their heads, but I don't think there is anything to really get too worried about. Um, so yeah, and a, and a bit of a follow-up to this, I guess, is have we learned anything in, from this game though about the squad? I just wanted to ask this kind of broader question because we're coming up to January. Just really quickly, for me, there are some issues with the old guard, right? I don't want to say it, but there are, and maybe some areas where we have some quite strong depth in our squad, but others where it's maybe a bit of a concern about who's there behind the starting player. I don't know how you feel about this, but I just wanted to ask quickly. Well, yeah, it, it obviously is. There is a bit of a gap in defensive areas between our best option and the ones behind it. Um, but I think you'll find that with a lot of squads. Um, I think as, as a whole, we're pretty blessed when it comes to depth especially in attacking areas. So it's only natural that being as strong as we are in attacking areas that we're going to be a little bit light in other areas. There's only so much wage to go around and we, there's nothing else we can do, I think, other than bringing in maybe a couple of loans in January. But I can't even see that unless we get someone with a bad injury. But who knows? I'm not necessarily concerned because I think we will generally have enough. And it's just in this game, it was showed that there was more than one player who was out who was very key to us. And both on the same side of the pitch as well, because you had both Cooper and Byron. So not Cooper and Thurper, who were the backups in, in this game, who were both playing on, in the same game. So if you've got one player out, or maybe one player in the attack who's out, and one player in defence who's out, then it probably works a little bit better. But when it's two players who play alongside each other, 
then that whole left side is going to be a little bit disjointed and not quite as effective as it normally is, which is funny because we still created one of our best goals from that left side. Wow. Mainly down to the gorgeous Georgians and the nickel cry. I like that. That was just a cuff as well. I love that. So yeah, it, it's it's good. And I'm not too bothered about the depth. Yeah, the old guard does need certain outs, but there's not, not too much we can do about it at this point. We cannot afford to hold those their wages on as well as bringing in replacements. We don't have the facilities to do that. So I think it's just something that we're going to have to up with until the end of the season. I think most of them, most of the old guards contracts finish at the end of the season, I believe. Mm-hmm. Except besides Bamford. Bamford's the only one who's on a long contract till 2026, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So but even then it's possible that someone will buy him from us um if we do if we do get promoted because he absolutely will not be a good enough squad option for the for the Premier League as much as I love him and I still do. I still want him to do well. I said every single game he comes on I said please do something back. Do something. I love you. <laughs> To be fair, I think even his biggest like haters probably still want him to do something because yeah. it's still going to benefit Leeds United. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's, it's just a, a problem we've got for this season and then we'll be able to move them on and give them their dues for the time they've given us. Yeah, and I and I have to say, like it was a bit of a loaded question for me because I, I do, it, I think this game made me realise like how concerning some of the old guard are like in terms of how they've declined. Um, but yeah. I still think if you look at our squad pound for pound, even though I could say three or four areas, we could sign someone in January and probably will sign at least one or two. I don't think it'll be much more than that. Um, unless there's like a major outgoing, possibly Nonzo, but like other than that, I still think it'll only be one or two tops. Um, I just still think that like the squad's going to be good enough in the long run, as long as enough of the key players stay fit. And like you say, it'd be better if it was like a forward and a midfielder or a forward and a defender rather than, if it being two players in sort of the same area or even around the same area, if you had Ampadu and Straukal, that'd be a huge blow. Not just because they're two key players, but because they have such understanding and because you'd have to like play two players there and it just wouldn't be familiar at all. And it just kind of disjoints the whole team. You could say that about a lot of teams in the championship and all in all, we probably do have the second best depth in the league after Leicester. Then they're the only team that can afford like three or four key injuries to key players and still have good players behind them. Like, I look at Cody's played so little for them and they've still got two centre-backs out that have played well and stuff like that. We don't necessarily have that in every area. So it'd be nice maybe to get a little bit more in January. But this game, for me, made me like probably more down on Cooper than I've been before. I think going into this season, for example, he was one that I thought, ah, oh, he'll be fine. Like, not necessarily great, but he'll be fine. Like, a good squad backup option. Is this not just because of how, how amazingly good Strauch has been and how much we love him? Possibly. That, that, because, because, that Cooper's even... All right, performances worse than what they actually are because of how yeah that that is Strauch, probably it. Strauch is because let's face it, he is as much as people don't want to admit it, he is our best at the back. Rodan is close to him, but he without Strauch in there, it just is mm-hmm. a much bigger gap between Cooper and Strauch than there is for the Rodan and Ailing. I think there's a much bigger gap between the left side of the back and then the right side of the back. If we were to put yeah. it in there, it wouldn't be as much of a blow as it would be to Miss Strauch, in my opinion. But everyone's got their own opinions on this, and it's always a, f- a fun debate. No, I totally agree. Uh, I, I mean, I'm you know how big of a fan of Strauch I am. <laughs> Don't need to talk about that too much. But yeah, like I, I, that's definitely true. And that, but that's just one area that's kind of become more highlighted to me. I think maybe next season, if we are in the Premier League, you want you want maybe three centre backs that are a really good standard. 
a two starters and a good backup and then you kind of need a fourth that's that's just okay um but if the third is is really good level and can come in for either center back then you've suddenly got an, an area where if you get an injury you're not too concerned but at the moment i really would hate it if um if strout was injured and out of the team and i yeah it just made me like realize that more in this game i think but it's not like we say too much of an issue still one of the stronger squads especially in attacking areas can't really complain too much this season i think we should have enough even if a couple of injuries do come up here and there to be at least competitive for the top sort of two three in the league uh, as a minimum really um anyway yeah so kind of towards the end of the pod now um just a little bit about the game um just to round it off uh farker after it was saying how vocal he was about it being a good result and we had Corey on twitter asking if he was right or not and i guess at the time i i maybe didn't feel like it was <laughs> correct because it felt like two points dropped definitely and maybe still is a little bit but after what happened with ipswich last night i'm certainly feeling a heck of a lot better. They lost to West Brom 2-0 and it means we've actually gained a point on them. And you can still say, oh, it's an opportunity missed, but it's, at the end of the day, we've gained a point in a month where they have some really tough fixtures as well. So I'm looking at it as a positive. And by the time we play them on the 23rd of December, hopefully that gap's closed up even more. I don't know how you feel about us more generally, Martin, after the game. Yeah, obviously I was looking at it as a bit of a due first game, but then when Ipswich also dropped points and lost it means we've actually somehow gained points on Ipswich so yeah we've had a disappointing result and we end up gaining points on the team above us so yeah just love the championship haven't you um yeah it's just one of them stupid leagues I think what Fark said about it being a good result is that's just kind of the thing which managers will say especially when they're away from home um but I, I do kind of see where it's coming from if you look at Rotherham's home farm um, if that home farm had extended to the away farm, they probably would be a lot higher at the, up the table than what they are. Obviously, it, it doesn't, <laughs> but it just does feel that they are a lot more solid at home, and some teams just do have that really sh- strong home farm and harder to break down and create goal because of them being hard to break down. And I will say it's still a disappointment to not win because we were on top and they deserve to win. I can understand what that is getting at. Yeah, and just quickly, I want to urge anyone that's kind of disagreeing with us slightly to go rewatch the game if you have got the chance, especially if you have, have Sky, you can just rewatch it whenever you want. But um, I know it wasn't great fun, but you'll see what we mean on quite a bit of things. Um, yeah, so Swansea is up next for us, and I think that that will be a game that matters more um, in terms of what's coming up so we've got seven games in december and swansea next um and that's going to tell us a lot more than a disappointing draw to rotherham in the end and that's why i'm not too concerned because i think that these teams will be the making of us and i actually think we'll get a decent amount of points still because i think the games will be a bit more open for us to play football a little bit more if i don't talk about the patreon uh tom alderson will absolutely murder me and he's not in the best of moods because his second team, Stockport, he went to watch at the weekend and they'd won 30 on the bounce and lost against Newport County. And I'm reminding him of this because I didn't think he was going to get away with it and, and not have a mention of it on the pod. But yes, <laughs> throughout the season, we have been putting out bonus content via our Patreon platform. If you don't know what that is, Patreon is a media platform in which you can show support to creators you enjoy and receive bonus content in return. We put out Patreon-only podcasts and analysis articles and videos as well. And our patrons also get all our podcasts ad-free, plus early access to the preview podcasts. Um, 
we are using these funds to enable us to pay for opposition fan interviews, which are very popular and we like them a lot as well as podders. Uh, and it generally really helps us to improve the quality of any of our podcasts and just generally up the quality and grow further in general. Um, we put out two bonus pods during the international break which you should go and check out if you haven't already one is focused on the under 21s with special focus on charlie crew and the other being a more general q a which was really good fun and you should definitely go and listen to it because it had me in stitches and get a pen and paper when you do if you haven't already uh, just to talk about some wider issues but also we had a little bit of a fun with the quiz as well at the end um so if you want to access that kind of content you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash asaw patreon um and also just really really quickly uh some of you might notice maybe not all of you we are thinking about bringing back twitter spaces in a big way we used to do this a lot under when john was doing this more with darren um but me and martin did one the other day it went pretty well didn't it yeah i enjoyed that yeah, so keep an eye out for that. We will obviously let the Discord know when they're out straight away, uh, but please keep an eye on Twitter as well. Um, I think that's everything for tonight, um, but we'll be back to preview our upcoming opponent. I'll do that again. We'll be back to preview our upcoming opponent, Swansea, with that being recorded immediately by Martin after this podcast with Dan, uh, and then we'll with more games soon to come that are thick and fast for a quite a while now in the month of December uh, as we've already mentioned and Middlesbrough coming up this weekend we'll be back for that next week as well but for now I'll say thank you to Martin thank you to Adam and thank you to dear listeners please enjoy the Swansea and Borough games back to back at Ellen Road and have a great week goodbye deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.